0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. The show is presented by Embassy National Bank. Embassy National Bank is a nationally chartered financial institution whose deposits are insured by the FDIC. On this show, we discuss topics designed to help small business succeed because at Embassy National Bank, we're proud of how we help small business. I'm Joe Moss, your host, moderator and president at embassy national bank and we welcome you to the subaru of gwinnett studio and i'll also say hello from hot atlanta we are in the depths of a heat wave and it's 98 degrees outside so welcome everybody we've got a good show today because we're going to talk about a subject near and dear to my heart we're going to be talking about people in the workplace going to talk about uh, hiring um evaluating getting them all on the same team, working to achieve the same goals. Very difficult to do these days, but to do that, we have Ms. Doris Hollingsworth. How I'm, are you?
0: I'm fine. Thank you for having me.
1: And she is the um, president and CEO of Evergreen HR Group, has given us a, an outline here, and it's got a lot of good information, so we're going to have a good talk. So, Doris, why don't we start by tell everybody about yourself and your some of your backgrounds and then uh, the reason behind evergreen hr group
0: well there's there's um, a lot of information about the reason behind evergreen hr group and that that comes as a result of my career in human resources in the corporate corporate world i've done field hr i've done corporate hr i've had hr positions where i have focused on talent acquisition and talent development and when you go when you work in the HR arena for a while you'll discover that there's areas that you naturally grav- gravitate to and you'll discover that there's areas that are pain points and some of those pain points are things that I decided I don't want to spend my time doing anymore. I'm not a workers' cop processing fan. So there's there's a number of areas that I think where the, the HR field the organizational development field can really help move businesses forward. And and that's that's where my passion is is to help business owners to help hiring managers move the business forward, make better decisions around the talent that they bring on board. You have a lot of businesses that will say, you know, people are a greatest asset. And then they don't spend a lot of time on the front end, making sure they get the right asset affiliated with their organization.
1: Drop some names in terms of some of the companies you've worked with in the past.
0: I have worked in the past with Comcast Communications, worked in their division office here in the the Southeast Mm -hmm. in a talent development and acquisition role. Um, I've worked, spent some time with Carter Real Estate, commercial real estate firm based here in Atlanta, long history in the Atlanta market. I do a lot of good development projects in the area. I have worked with Altel Corporation, Mm, Um, worked with a subsidiary there for a a sales and distribution subsidiary of the organization. I've worked with an industrial distribution firm called MSC Industrial Supply. They sell and distribute high-speed cutting tools. Mm. and big, large drill presses and industrial drill presses. So
1: a wide variety of businesses with a wide variety of people.
0: wide variety of people, a lot of different levels and skill sets of people involved, from people who are interacting with the customers on a day-to-day basis, to people who are primarily backroom operations, to people who need to be involved in fairly complex and sensitive uh, business discussions and negotiations.
1: Okay. And uh, let's just start off the... um the show with some stats that you provided. I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, 68% of business owners worry that making a bad hire will harm their company's reputation, as well as 62% fear it will decrease productivity. I'm part of the 60% of small business owners have made a bad hire, cost a lot of money, and I, we don't like to make those kind of decisions, but they, they, um, they happen, so let's jump right into the to the hire and tell us what you think has to happen through the hiring process.
0: Well, I think I think one of the things first off is you have to decide what is what is going to be the culture and the hiring culture that you want to have in your organization. And I think it's very easy, particularly for small businesses, to just allow that to happen and to be not very planful about it, not very deliberate about it. You know, I have conversations with executives from time to time. And you get into various topics and I made the remark to one executive, I'm like, I think you spent more time thinking about and researching the grill that you just bought for your home than you did in making this key executive hire because they tend to go on gut instinct. A lot of times people go on gut instinct. They tend to rely on the tried and true in terms of, of questions that they understand or may have had asked of them during a process. So the first thing is you need to decide where your company needs to be. From a hiring culture, so you need to understand very, very clearly not only what is the job that the individual is going to be doing, but more importantly, as a baseline, they need you need to understand and you need to be able to articulate what are the things that are going to make a person successful in the job. Is it strong leadership? Is it servant leadership? Is it um, you know letting the team run as far, fast and hard as they can? What are what are the things that are that are really going to make that person shine and succeed? and thus be able to do the best job they can for your company and, and bring the profits and, and revenue that you need.
1: Um, but it's important to make sure someone actually fits the overall corporate culture as right. well, correct? Right. So um, who's responsible for defining what they believe that culture to be?
0: You know, culture is a tricky area because you can have you can have the culture you're trying to develop, and then you can have the culture that actually exists. And then you have somewhere in there a mix of the two, and everybody's going to have a little bit different perspective of what the culture is. But essentially, the leaders of the organization are the ones who need to be able to define and drive the culture. You can have, if, if you have a void there, if you have a leader who isn't paying attention to that, then the culture is, is just going to creep in, whatever whatever everybody else decides to do. So the the entrepreneur, the business owner, the top executive, they need to be the ones who have that desire to say, this is how we act as an organization, this is how we hire, this is these are the criteria, and this is the the rigor and the discipline that we put into the process.
1: Do you believe that the hiring process should be centralized somewhere so there's one person involved in the whole thing all the time? Or is it can is it okay to fragment it out or how do you see that?
0: A lot of that depends on the size of the organization, but I think in general, just as a general rule, I think it's good to have more people involved in the hiring process. You know, I've I've been involved in processes where you have a panel and you have an operations person and an HR person working side by side interviewing a panel of candidates mm-hmm. and then you you evaluate both the interaction between the candidates as well as the interaction with the company representatives. And that's powerful because you both get you get to have two Two sets of eyes with that, but I think I think you know in the in the in the end, the more people that you have who are invested in the success of the organization, involved in that process, the better read that you're going to get, and the better you're you're going to be able to synthesize all of that information and all those perspectives.
1: So, um, should do you recommend that um, the people who will uh, p- potentially be responsible to this person actually? be involved in the interview process or should you keep the interview process just among peers and above
0: again i think that depends on the culture i think that's a very that can be a very strong way to interview someone if the culture supports that kind of interaction and relationship once the person's on board if it's a if it's a very hierarchical organization and then you try to have people subordinates coming in and interviewing that person it's going to feel false from the from the get go, the, the individuals, the employees are not going to trust the process mm-hmm. and it's gonna it's gonna cloud that entire culture.
1: But the employee if they're bought into the culture should not should pretty much trust the, the management or the ownership to hire the right kind of person.
0: I would say yes. Yeah. I would say yes. Because what when you when you look at it, the management team, they're gonna have a little different perspective over all of the various things that the position the individual is going to need to do. So they might have a broader view of everything that person needs to bring to the table. The subordinate may have a little bit of a restricted view in terms of things that they personally want to see or or you know things they've seen work and be successful in other areas. And and that's fine. I think that input is good, but ultimately you need to have that that well-rounded that 360 view of what what that individual in that job needs
1: did you indicate earlier i want to make sure i heard you right that you've been involved with uh you put two candidates in the room or just two people from the company and jointly interview
0: well it was it was actually a group of candidates and then two people from the company interview do and it's a it was a first level interview process for a distribution center a big part of what was important in that organization was teamwork, willingness to interact with others, how well they interacted with each other. So you wanted to measure some of that during the interview process. If you have people who are ignoring input from other people, you get into group discussions, you have people who are trying to control the conversation. So we would look for that level of interaction. Were they on point? Were they responsive and and attentive to what other people were doing.
1: Do you advocate a uh, one-on-one interview or should you have more than one person interviewing a candidate? Uh, What do you, what, what do you think about that?
0: I think, I think there's, there's room for either, either one of those areas. You know, I've done probably all across the board on, on both sides of the table. I've been the, the candidate that, you know, walked into an interview and there were like 24 people it was like a group meeting of everybody Hello. that would touch, right? <laughs> and, and it's a little daunting. Uh, but also, you know, you get that, you get that one-on-one. I think, um, you know, if people are very good at interviewing, then I think you can get very good conversations. And if you're using some of the right tools at your disposal to help drive that interview conversation, then, you know, one-on-one conversation interviews, I think, are, are very productive because you can really do a deep dive into some of the background and experience.
1: And get a feel for some of the personal issues and how just how they overall react to things.
0: How they overall react, and also, um, you know, really, really dig, dig deeper. I think I think one of the things we don't do well is we don't dig deep enough. We we don't we don't take a business success, for instance, that someone says, oh, this this is the result that I had. I did this kind of a turnaround, and this is what we did, and this is the market share that we gained. I think we talk superficially about some of those things and we don't dig into the details. Well, how did you do it? What was the plan you put together? How long did it take you? What were the obstacles you faced? Who were the internal customers and the people that you had to negotiate with Mm -hmm. in order to make this happen? You know, was there, what did you do wrong and what would you have changed and done better? I think we don't, too many times, hiring managers talk about what the success and the outcome was, but they don't really get into the details of exactly how the person accomplished that. And that can tell you a lot about that person's style and how they might act within your organization.
1: Yeah, I think we run into a problem of uh, mixing uh, likability with uh, credibility.
0: Exactly. You're
1: going to have a good conversation with someone think it was a good interview, but you may not be making the right decision for that job.
0: You may not be making the right decision for that job. And I think particularly, and I think this is a trap that a lot of entrepreneurs, especially first-time entrepreneurs, get into, they tend to hire like-minded people. So they'll hire people that have some of the same thought process, some of the same skill sets, some of the same strengths, their same approach to as, as themselves. And you end up what you end up then with as a, as a group of core people, the, that core staff that you have. And you're all the same and you haven't had you haven't taken the opportunity to really suss out what are the things that I am best at and how do I need to spend my time and now, how do I then go in and fill in the blanks? And that's a that's a huge, I think, a huge pitfall.
1: What about making sure that through the hire process, making sure that you're surrounded by people that are smarter, faster, quicker than you are, versus making sure you're still the king?
0: Well, I think as I think as long as everybody acknowledges your position, you can still be king. But it, one, one thing that I use in, in my business is uh, bringing assessments into into the interview process. And it's, it's a little bit different approach because a lot of companies will do a candidate assessment, a pre-employment assessment at the tail end of the interview. The, the, that person's gone through all the interviews. Everybody loves them. You send them in for the assessment and you really kind of use it as a confirmation of the decision you've already made. Well, that's kind of like, Getting engaged and then deciding to go on a date and see if you're compatible, so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit backwards, and there are very diff, definitely um, you know different ways to approach that. All
1: right, let's let's talk about that in just a second. You're listening to on the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank, and we're talking with Doris Hollingsworth of Evergreen HR Group. And uh, right now we're just on the hire, but we're going to be moving into um, some of the team issues as well. But uh, let's let's stay on the hire. Um, you mentioned uh, doing the interviews and then doing the assessment at the tail right. end. Um, right. Uh, so what should the process be?
0: I believe the process should be that when you have identified two or three candidates that you believe have the technical skill and expertise you're looking for, that at that point you administer an assessment. And the assessment will tell you a lot of information about that person's strengths and weaknesses, their, their areas where they are going to shine naturally. And it will also give you opportunities to see where their potential is, uh, where there's some developmental opportunities, how they may react during stress, stressful periods, all of those areas. So then you take that report and you start building your interview discussion around that report. So if you have a turnaround situation that's going to be very stressful for a period of months and you have somebody who handles stress well but one of the ways they handle stress is to compartmentalize and they focus in on deadlines and tasks one one temptation or one weakness to that kind of a profile would be that maybe they don't communicate as much with their staff as they need to be well in a in a state of disruption in an organization you have to have a lot of communication so what would what you would do there is you would be able then to during the interview you would be able to identify what those tendencies might be and and draw out during that conversation how they have managed that in prior stressful situations Now would you
1: do that by talking about what the assessment or profile said or would you do it in a less direct way
0: In a less direct way So what you want to do is you want to take that information at least on the interview side on the on the, you would take that information and identify where some of the cautions might be or some of the you know potential pitfalls in a stressful situation and build your interview discussion around that so you would have discussions around talk to me about a stressful situation and how you manage that what kind of communications did you have with your team how did you make sure that you communicated appropriately did you run into problems with that style and then carry that through so
1: you're actually talking about um, planning for the interview up front
0: yes oh yes <laughs> oh yes <laughs> what a concept <laughs>
1: right.
0: now tell me, talk about
1: the 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 technical assessment. Um, you don't see that done a lot, but is that a, is that a piece that needs to be looked at? Say if you're, if you're interviewing for a controllership or a Mm -hmm. CFO, or if you're interviewing for a, someone that's supposed to be technically proficient, is it okay to give them some type of a assessment of their actual accounting knowledge and abilities?
0: I I think, I think absolutely it's okay to, to test for that. But I think you have to recognize that there's a potential downfall, the higher level position there is and doing a technical competency assessment. It can come across as being very patronizing, very distrusting of what the person does. So in that instance, you probably would be better served to move into the reference discussions. And reference discussions are a very, very different concept than just an employment verification or a reference check. You want to take you want to take the individuals that the candidate has given to you, three or four individuals, And you're going to schedule a pretty lengthy period of time to talk with them. And this, this can be a very um, complex conversation. So when I do this for a controller level or professional level, I usually schedule an hour to an hour and a half to hold this conversation. And I talk with the person about their technical competency. And we talk about the level, the level of authority, the level of accountability. We talk about, um, you know, the projects that they've managed, the success of those projects. We talk pretty candidly about failures you know, we have that conversation. So I will, I will lead off by having a pretty, you know, a few minutes just to chat about here's the job, here's the level of the job, here's the scope of responsibility, here's the accountability, here's the key components, here's the critical path for success for the job. Let's talk about this candidate and then give them a chance to just kind of share their thoughts. And then we get into specifics and that's, that's where you pull. it's,
1: It's okay to ask, is it okay to ask for work product uh, if they're if they're willing to share it
0: and i'm i'm thinking if they if they can share it without violating confidentiality
1: um and then what a, you, you mentioned the reference uh discussion i guess that's uh uh asking if you can call the references um can you say what 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 likely am i going to hear from people that i that you've worked with in the past is mm-hmm.
0: that a fair question that's a very fair question and there's two there's that's one of the questions that I'd like to ask the candidate. The first is, you know, does this will this person expect me to be calling them? Which tells you a little bit about their relationships. Are they staying up to date and are they being courteous mm-hmm. to to that person? And the second is to say, you know, what am I going to hear? What what do you expect this person to say? So you you get that you get that part of it. But I think with within that conversation again, you you've got to put the time in. You have to do the deep dive to, to have that conversation because they're only going to give you references for people that are going to say positive and provide positive feedback, but you can, you can pull out a lot of information about really where that person shines and then conversely where they may not by through those conversations. And as you have those conversations around, you know, where is, what, what was the best projects this, this person did? Why, why did it work out that way? And you, you, have that continuing conversation about, you know, really what that person brings to the table, you establish the rapport and then you can have honest conversation about, you know, what's a what's a management situation where this person would not thrive? What's going to be an obstacle for this person? You know, where, you know, what, if it's a prior supervisor, what conversations have you had in the past about development? Do they take them to heart? Mm-hmm. Is this person self-aware? You know, do they evaluate their own, their own competency and skill set?
1: In today's world, there's so many different places you can go and get people can ways to send applications. There's Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, there's monster.com, there's uh, word of mouth, there's everything. What, from an employer standpoint, what's the best way to find somebody?
0: That's a loaded question. There's a lot of that will depend upon the industry. There are are some industries that have niche job boards, Uh, some of it will depend upon how aggressive your recruiting team is going to be. If you have dedicated recruiting teams, I mean, they will have the time to do the database mining and to do the LinkedIn and to dig out those passive job candidates, which is really kind of where you want to go, right? You don't want to be sifting through 450 resumes no. for a controller position. right? So what you really want to do is you want to be able to go after those, those candidates um, that may not be job hunting yet, but, you know, maybe in, in six months, they may be in a position or they may be in a place where they do want to make a change, and they and they need to take some steps there. So from a both from a recruiter standpoint and from a hiring manager. Now let me
1: stop for a, so you're that's okay. an interesting concept because what you're saying is that you try to go find the candidates without them even knowing you're looking for a particular job.
0: Without without them being in a position or or in that place to be looking for a job, right? Okay, it, that's it's pipelining. It's keeping keeping your pipeline full, and that's one of the bigger challenges. So, large organizations with a recruiting staff they can they can do that pretty well. They have the resources to do that. Other organizations turn to outside recruiters, um, executive recruiters, and retained search, and they you know typically they are if they're working in an industry particularly, they'll have candidates that they're talking with on a, on a fairly regular basis. And then if you don't have those those two resources, you either have to figure out how to constantly be in front of people in the industry that you might want to see, or you have to start digging every time you have a position come up. And it can be very hard to, very difficult and, and very labor intensive to get ahead of that curve for small business owners. Yeah,
1: I can see that. So, all right, so let's back up for a second. Um, in order to do a good hire, what I hear you're saying is that we need to First, be aware of what are we actually looking for in a job, right? Both the um, what are the day to day and kind of macro requirements for that job, what kind of personality you think will fit into that job, right? And whether that overall process actually fits what you believe to be the culture of your company, correct? So what you have described to me is a ton of work to be done before you ever feel fill one position. Correct. I asked a mistake a lot of people make right there. So and so quick, get on the phone, hire somebody. Exactly. And they don't step back and say, "Wait a minute, let's talk about this job." Filled internally? No. Was it structured correctly? Why the person leave? All those kinds of things, and then move forward with trying to um, to fill a position.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's it. There tends, and and you understand it because you got it. You got a position empty. Sales aren't being made, payments are not being made, accounting's not being done. You know, whatever it is that's happening either on the sales side or the backroom operation side, something's not getting done. And you've got other people that are scrambling to to get that done and to and to cover the load, especially in a small organization. Mm-hmm. And and it, it can be very, very warying on those other coworkers to have to pick up the slack. And particularly if you if you get yourself in a in a situation where you have some constant turnover you're burdening those loyal employees, those people who are with you there through all of it again and again and again.
1: Well, I think you also need to stop and, and question yourself very humbly about why is there turnover?
0: That exactly. And I'll, I'll, I'll share a quick story uh, without sharing company names. A few years ago, I actually interviewed for a job and I was interviewing with the owner of the company and he was interviewing for his fourth HR leader in a period of about 15 months. And so we're sitting there talking and having conversation and, and I look at him. I said, do you have a credibility issue with your managers here over this turnover in this position? He goes, I I absolutely do. And I said, so how, how are you going to know when you get the right person in this spot now? And and he said, I don't know. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I looked at him and he looked at me and that's kind of where things ended with us. (laughs) But it really, it really, you know, in that particular, in that position, particularly, he had gone through just a series of I won't say bad hires, but just the wrong hire. He just had the wrong person. And then once they got on board, for various reasons, they just were the wrong person to be there. And some of the things that we're talking about today, I think could have helped him not to make the wrong hire. It would have pushed out the search further, but it could have helped him not to make the wrong hire. Um, using the assessment to identify where the person fits with your team, understanding what they bring to the table in relationship to the strength of your team. Um, understanding some of their drive and ambition. Once they were on board, he had one person who was very full of ideas, but then was s- slow to execute. He had one person who was very smart and and very good about programs, but had zero relationships with the rest of the team. So it was, it was a challenging position for him. And in, you know, in retrospect, you know, looking back there, there were a number of ways that, you know, he could have you know, so use tools like this to, to make that higher, a better one, more solid and, and very sound.
1: Interesting, because I was interviewed for a job one time and I was given the requirements and I'd look. I, said, I think you may be looking for Superman here and I'm not that. And But what the mistake people make is they put all these requirements on a job and expect someone to come in and fill that. And, to and fill, they're always going to be disappointed.
0: You, you will. And, and in the industry, they call that the pink squirrel. So it's or purple squirrel. I forget the exact terminology, but it's, it's it's putting not only the the specific requirements, the must-haves from a technical side and from a here's how you succeed side, but then everything else that would be nice, because these are all things that we we know we need to do and we need to get done. So we're gonna we're gonna make sure we get them all in here in this job.
1: Uh, now you're an advocate of assessments. Uh, I guess actual what we call uh, profile assessments, tests, various tests, uh, disk profiles, things like that, correct? Right.
0: There's, there's a number of them that are out there. Uh, a lot of very, very well-designed tools. Uh, personally, I've uh, chosen the Hogan Certification. So that's the tool that I use for some of the higher-level hires. There are, for positions that are not quite as high-level, where perhaps your hiring uh, frequency makes it not cost-effective to use something as as deep as the Hogan. There are other assessments that you can use um, but I think I think the the, uh, the the strength there is what it shows you in terms of being able to identify and uh, predict and be able to prepare for both in the hiring process itself as well as bringing somebody on board now before you start
1: uh, examining one candidate I guess it's important to make sure you understand I'm starting to move into the team mm-hmm. um, you probably ought to make sure you understand how the team is functioning before you try to bring somebody else in.
0: That would be an important step. Okay. I think, you know, I think there's, there's some companies that, you know, really have hold that as a strong value and they really want to do that with the team. But I I think that's a very strong way to go because then you understand not only where is the leader and then where are the other individuals on the team. You can identify, you know, where do you have gaps on your bent strength in terms of how people approach things? Do you have somebody, do you have a lot of hard chargers and you need a, a, a cautious person there, somebody to kind of say, hey, let's, let's stop and think about this for a minute and maybe look at it a different way?
1: Well, you're sitting here describing for me what I would call the people decision, and it's, and it's um, every time I have this discussion, it's overwhelming to me because you're expecting uh, business managers to be so much more understanding all these complex people and you know and the, mm-hmm. and the more innovative your company is the more talent you need and the right. more talent you get the more difficult the whole management process of people will be
0: it can be it can be and then when you look at and i'm not a psychologist so i'm going entirely on some readings here when you look at some of the studies around how people work effectively in groups and the maximum number of people that is a comfort zone for them to work in is it's like small clans so teams worked better together in small clans so then you also need to figure out how many clans how many teams can somebody manage and interact with within the business place there and then move that into that that further understanding
1: uh you're listening on the money and uh brought to you by embassy national bank i'm joe moss the moderator and we're talking about the whole people issue in in companies with um Uh, with Doris Hollingsworth, who is with Evergreen HR Group. We finished talking about the hiring process, summarizing there. There's a lot of work to do before you even have your first interview. Just don't jump into it because you probably make a mistake. One of the stats that Doris gave us was somewhat staggering is the cost of making a bad hire. You say ranging from one-third of an annual salary all the way up to $50,000.
0: Or more. Or more. Or more. It, it really depends on, you know, the the responsibilities of the person and, you know, the salary, the level, and all those pieces. So Department of Labor says, you know what, just to replace a person, it'll cost one-third of their annual salary. SHRM, Society for Human Resource Management, some of their reports and stats show that it's anywhere from twenty five dollars to $50,000 to to go through that whole cycle process. And but it's not surprising when you consider all the things that go into actually making a hire. You have to source the person. You have to have time for interviewers. You have interview cost if you are bringing people in from out of town. Lost revenue. You have lost revenue. You have ramp up time. You have training time. You have lost productivity. You know, if you've got somebody who's you know slow to ramp up, you've got lost revenue. If you're missing a turnaround opportunity. And, and that's just kind of on the financial piece that's just kind of the the numbers there so if you've got you know if you've got a candidate and, and you're paying somebody hundred hundred and fifty thousand dollars in in a pretty key position for your organization if you make a bad hire and, the, and either lose that person or they're just wreaking havoc on your organization it could impact up to two and a half times their salary it could be a quarter of a million dollar mistake
1: and on top of that you're disrupting the candidate as well.
0: You disrupt the candidate as well, and if you're if you're looking at running a um, ethical organization and making decisions of integrity, you you care as much about the candidate experience as you do the person that you bring on board and, and the rest of your team, and I and I think that's where a lot of companies you know they want to be. No, no company wants to be seen as the bully out there or the you know just the the gorilla that's that's out there you know, and ideally you would want every candidate that, that is working with your company to coming through your, your contact to have that good experience.
1: Right. Yeah. And in fact, sometimes, uh, I advise candidates, are you sure you want to do this? I mean, because you're stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit, maybe you should focus on what you're really good at. And this may not be it.
0: Valid point. Valid point.
1: And, uh, you know, you may like the person, you gotta do what you think is right for them and right for the company.
0: And and that, you know, that holds true as well for, you know, once you have somebody on board. If you've got somebody on board and they're struggling, I, I think it's a measure of respect to have that conversation and to say, You're struggling. This is this is not the right seat for you. So we need to figure out either how to get you the skills and competencies in that development area so that you are suited for the seat, or we need to figure out if there's a different seat for you and if there's a different way to utilize what you bring to the table. In a
1: larger company, that may be easier to do than in a smaller company. Exactly. Um, All right. There's a phrase out there called slow to hire, quick to fire. Right. Do you believe in that? Yes. So you hire somebody, it's not working like it used to. I mean, it's just not working. How quickly should you be making that decision?
0: This is going to be one of those depends. It depends kind of answers, because I think when, when you've got somebody where you know, there's a, there's a skill set, maybe it's a technical skill set or, or something that they need to learn is a, is an industry change. If it's, um, just a new, a step up for a job for them and they need time to adapt, they need time to learn and they're willing to learn and they're very self-aware and they understand what they need to do to get Mm -hmm. there. Then I would slow it down a little bit. I wouldn't, I wouldn't come in, you know, 30, 45 days into it and, and we're done pull the trigger. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of unconscionable and you know just not a good decision i think that's part of your that's part of
1: you know and that's the conversation that you should be having up front before they even come on
0: and this is where you use the assessments and you identify here's the things that they they have here's the things they don't have can we live with that as an organization can we coach the person through that and then you get into that 100 day plan here's how we do it
1: i like the 100 days because they say that you can almost pretend to be somebody you're not for up to 90 days. Right. And eventually it's going to, the, the facade will crumble and they'll find out exactly who you are. So now I see where the hundred days comes in.
0: You get, you get the hundred days and, and not only to, to really understand who the person is and get to see them in action over a number of situations and through a number of, of stress points and, and, you know, challenging situations and internal negotiations, but also, you know, that hundred day plan, which is, honestly, an extension of the assessments, once you've made the decision to hire, you use that that 100 days to identify what are the what's the critical path that this person needs to follow in order to now be successful in the job. And that can be relationships to develop. It can be the specific tasks that need to be involved. There's maybe critical issues that need to be resolved coming on board. It's going to be who are the critical internal customers, external customers, you know, what are the touch points? So you, you put together a formal plan and then you put in accountability both for the hiring manager as well as the new hire. And this is where, you know, one of the, the thing services that I offer is to go in, help put that plan together. And then I'm the nag. I'm the person sending the calendar reminder saying, Have you had your weekly? Have you done have you met with this person yet? Have you had lunch with this person? Have you addressed have you addressed these issues yet? So you've got that that's sitting out there.
1: Um, you know, I just looked at the clock. We're gonna have to wrap this thing up. We're gonna have to do this again very very soon because um, I think it's such an important issue um, is there any kind of business that this conversation does not apply to I would say no yeah you're correct <laughs> uh, every because look at it
0: every business every entrepreneur starts a business with the intent to make money run a business do well in their services or their products they want to treat their customers well they want to deliver a good product and in order to do that you have to have the right people, On the same path. They all need to be on the same path with the same end goal in mind.
1: Well, and we see this a lot where someone starts a business and something they're good at doing. Right. But to take it and they can survive for about the first six to nine months, see this all the time. But after nine months, they have to figure out wait a minute, it doesn't matter what I'm good at anymore. I have to learn how to run this company. Right. So if they came in with a technical flair and then all of a sudden, as you're saying, um, I got people to manage. Uh, they need to learn that pretty quick.
0: They need to learn that pretty quick or else they're going to spend. Or find whole... someone
1: or to help them learn it.
0: Exactly. And if they don't, they're going to spend a whole lot of time in what I call remediation and repair. Right.
1: Well, um, Doris, thank you so much for being on the show. Tell everybody how they can get in touch with you.
0: Uh, you can visit my website. It's www. Dot evergreenhrgroup.com we have a facebook site for with that same evergreenhrgroup.com and you can find email and phone number on both the website and facebook uh, feel free to shoot me an email give me a call and we'll chat about some of those struggles
1: well it's been um, really good having the conversation and um, been a very very good show so uh, that's our show for today this has been on the money. The number one small business show on Business Radio X. We're presented by Embassy National Bank. Uh, Be sure to follow us on Twitter at on underscore the underscore money and then the number one. And you can listen to our shows at any time by going to businessradiox.com. Download them off of iTunes. And uh, you can also watch the show, which is pretty cool, out on YouTube at the Business Radio X-Gwinnett YouTube channel. So um, until next time, I'm Joe Moss with Embassy National Bank. Remember, be careful out there. Leave fear in the backseat. Stay authentic. Please pay attention to this whole hiring thing. It's just it can make or break your business. Trust me on that. So until next time, thank you very much.